What a great way to consider the scriptures. I hope you can just feel that just kind of washing over you and then also hear the poignancy of this psalm that uh, their words, they hunted us. Some powerful statements in that text. So open your Bible. Let's go over to Psalm 124 today. The title of the message is, Our Help is in the Name of the Lord. I'd like you to think with me about how we complete this sentence. You ready? Practice makes perfect. Good. If you're like me, you're enjoying the uh, World Cup phenomenon that's happening all over the world and uh, probably marveling like I am at the unique athleticism of soccer players. Now, I don't want to throw any shade on basketball players or football players or volleyball players or pickleball players, <laughs> but there is something that stuns me when I see the ability of some players to move the ball around on their foot like it's on a string or to kick a ball in the air while being horizontal and executing a scissors kick. It's, it's a stunning combination of poise, coordination, and skill, and it isn't easy. I mean, I, when I was in high school, I played center forward. I, I know how hard it is to head a ball in that direction or to lay out and hit that scissors kick. It's incredible. It takes a lot of practice. Practice makes perfect. Practice, 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 practice. Thousands of times they've practiced a ball strike in order to get it right at just the right moment. This weekend will be enjoying one of the most significant outreach events of the entire year with our Christmas concert. And what you experience every Sunday morning doesn't just happen. Like even this team didn't wake up this morning and say, hey, what song should we sing? Or you got your guitar, I got one, why don't you play? I mean, I get to be behind the scenes with our worship arts team and our production team who every single week balance creativity and depth and it requires an enormous amount of rehearsing and practice to be ready to make things look easy that aren't easy. So think of it this way. Challenging things require practice and important things require rehearsing. Important things require rehearsing. So we're in Psalm 124 and what we find is the rehearsing of some important biblical truths. When it comes to your spiritual life, rehearsing particular concepts over and over and over is really important. There's some truths that we need to rehearse because we know they're true, but we don't, we don't feel them in the moment. What happens is by rehearsing things, it brings it to the forefront of our mind. It even makes us feel things that we know are true, but we feel them more deeply. For instance, um, when a friend is really helpful and you are grateful for him or her in your life, it's appropriate to be able to communicate how grateful you are for that relationship. Or parents who regularly tell their children, I'm so proud of you. Or a spouse who tells his or her wife, I love you. Don't be like that guy that told his wife, look, I told you I loved you at our wedding and if I change my mind, I'll tell you again. Some things need to be rehearsed. It just needs to be rehearsed over and over. And this psalm of ascent is a rehearsing of the help of the Lord. 
Remember from last week, this, these Psalms of Ascents were the kind of Psalms that were sung as the people of Israel traveled up to Jerusalem. It's why they're called the Psalms of Ascent. Jerusalem was on a plateau and as people made their way up to worship three times a year for a pilgrimage, they would have a collection of songs that they would sing. They were traditions, if you will. And this is one of those times of year that we experience kind of our regular traditions and those are important. These traditions remind us of things that we know, but they're really good to rehearse. So Psalm 124 essentially addresses this particular question. How do we embrace the Lord's help? How do we embrace the Lord's help? For some of you, that question is important because you're here and you know you need the Lord's help. Like, for real you know. Something's happened in the last week or the last month and you found yourself kind of at the end of your rope. You may have, in your time with the Lord, been saying things like, God, I don't, I don't know what to do here and I need your help. Others of you may need to listen to this because there's going to be a time in 2023 when you're going to be reminded of your need of God's help. And others of you need to listen because there's gonna be a friend in your life in the next few days or weeks who's gonna be in a bad place and you're gonna to have to point them somewhere and not just give them what you think, you're gonna to have to point them to the inspired text and Psalm 124 would be a great place to point them. So how do we embrace the Lord's help? Here's the first way, by rehearsing our hope. Look at verses one and two. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel not now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. What we find in these first two verses is a simple concept, and it's also repeated. But I don't want you to mistake the obvious message and its double emphasis for something that's somehow unimportant. Sometimes it's the simple truths that are helpful but they're also sometimes neglected. Here's the point of the text. The point of the text is, if the Lord had not been on our side, and the conclusion of the psalmist is, that would be bad. That's his conclusion. Now he could have said it another way. He could have said, the Lord cares for his people. That'd be one way to say it. But in saying it this way, he's trying to get to a particular point of emphasizing how important it is that the Lord was walking with them by reflecting back of all the things that God rescued them from as a platform to celebrate God's care. Other Psalms communicate the nearness of the Lord in the same way, but with a on the same theme rather, but from a different angle. Listen to Psalm 118, verse six and seven. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Psalm 23, here's another one about the nearness of the Lord. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Or here's another one, Psalm 34, 18. 
feel a little weary-hearted today? Here's a good text for you. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. So with each of these, there's a, there's a challenge, a, a, a difficulty. Psalm 118, the psalmist is dealing with those who hate him, and yet the Lord was on his side. In Psalm 23, the psalmist is dealing with the shadow of death, and yet the Lord is with him. In Psalm 34, he's dealing with the problem of grief, and yet the Lord is near to him. So we'll unpack a little bit further all the reasons why Psalm 124 is saying what it's saying, but it's sufficient at this point in our examination of the text to see this common thread here of the Lord being at one side because something is bad, something is frightening, something is threatening. In other words, some kind of trouble enters into the equation and the presence of the Lord is absolutely essential. Trouble reminds us how much we need the Lord's help. Can I just remind you that trouble doesn't create the need for the Lord's help alone. Trouble merely reveals what was true before the trouble even came. Trouble helps us to realize, oh my word, I really need the Lord's help. Verse one, verse one, if the Lord had not been, if it had not been rather the Lord who was on our side, he's trying to get to the fact that the Lord is always helping us. And as they're making their way to the temple, this psalm is a reminder that they would not have made it without the Lord's help. Their annual pilgrimage and then singing this song were reminders of what they probably knew intellectually but needed to be reminded in song that there are lots of ways that the Lord had helped them. One Old Testament scholar puts it this way, this psalm does not argue God's help, it does not explain God's help, it's a testimony of God's help in the form of a song. So let me invite you to do the same thing as this psalm. Do you have a testimony of God being by your side in the last year? The month of December is filled with all kinds of wonderful traditions and what they do is provide an opportunity for us to reflect a little bit. So let me just invite you right now just to apply this sermon immediately. I want you to think through with me, what challenges or hardships did you face in 2022 where you saw the Lord help you? Just think back. Over Thanksgiving, I went through my Google Photos and I just kind of scrolled through them and just looked back at the memories and the things that happened in the last year. It's remarkable how many things I forgot happened. And it was also remarkable of all the ways the Lord helped me. Was there a situation in the last year where you wondered if the Lord had forgotten about you? Can you think of that? The Sunday may seem so far away from that moment where you legitimately had a crisis of faith. You wondered, God, are are you, gonna, are you gonna leave us? What brokenheartedness did you face in the last year that then was matched with divine empowerment where God was able to help you? What problems do you still face even today where just this text in and of itself helps you to be reminded that God cared for you? If the Lord hadn't been there, you wouldn't be here. That's the point. So I want to encourage you just to 
think about that, not theoretically, but think of a very specific situation, even during this message, to reorient your heart and to rehearse the hope that you have it together in the Lord and with other people. We all have that story, don't we? In fact, look at the text when it says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, and then he says this, let Israel now say. What he's doing here is this, he's testifying, and then it's as though he's looking around and saying, anybody else had this experience? It's as though he's saying, can I get a witness? Or can I get an amen? Or it it reminds me, when I was in high school, we used to have this cheer that we would do, and it went something like this. Um, we've got spirit, yes we do. We's got spirit, well, how's it go? How about you, right? And then you would do that and then the other team would go, we've got spirit, how about, yes, yes, yes we do, we've got spirit, how about you? Well, let me, this, this is either gonna be a great memory, either way it's gonna be a great memory. <laughs> All right, so instead of that particular cheer, here's another one, ready, here it is. It's really simple. The Lord has helped us, that is true. The Lord has helped us, how about you? You got it? The Lord has helped us, that is true. The Lord has helped us, how about you? Okay, half of the congregation, right here to right here. All right, ready? You're gonna say it together with me. The Lord has helped us, that is true. The Lord has helped us, how about you? Then we're gonna go over here, right? Oh, you guys know. (laughs) They've got more, they've got more, okay? All right, you ready, you track it with me? Here we go, together. The Lord has helped us, that is true. The Lord has helped us, how about you? Ready? The Lord has helped us, that is true. The Lord has helped us, how about you? We've got more, we've, no. That's what's happening in the Psalm. You're never gonna forget this message. You're gonna write a little thing in Psalm 124. That's the idea, you're walking up to the temple and you're rehearsing, the Lord has helped us, that's true. The Lord's helped us, how about you? The Lord has helped us, that's true. The Lord has helped us, how about you? It's good to be reminded that we can rehearse our hope. Here's the second thing. The text invites us to acknowledge the pain. Look at verse three, it really begins in 2b. Here's what happened. When people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. So here's the thing. One of the reasons we love the Psalms is because they're not naive. They don't sugarcoat how hard life can be. That's why you go to a Psalm when you need comfort. And Psalm 124 reflects back not only in the Lord's help, but the fact that there were some really challenging and painful and dangerous situations that they were in. And they recounted them with clarity, with poignancy, with honesty. You see, when you've been delivered from something that's frightening or really scary, there's a clarity for you that you need the Lord's help. But when that begins to fade, When you return to more calm and safe life experience, it's easy, is it not, to lose the urgency of that perspective. Some of you had major problems happen in 2022 and you'd not want to live that moment again anytime soon, but at the same time, one of the things that your 
longing for was the kind of desperate intimacy that pain created. You can't stay there the whole time. That wouldn't be healthy or effective or even survivable, but there is something remarkable that the intensity of pain is matched by the intensity of the Lord's presence. And some of you are here today and the Lord feels like he's really far away, but things are better, but they're not. This is a Psalm to be reminded, like name the pain, acknowledge what was happening in order to welcome greater intimacy with the Lord. He highlights two dangers, the danger of being attacked and the danger of being overwhelmed. In both cases, it relates to people. That heightens the intensity a bit, doesn't it? Because it's one thing when circumstances are hard, it's another when it's people that are hard. It's one thing when it's an illness, and don't get me wrong, an illness is painful and hard and challenging or some sort of sickness, but when it's a friend or a family member or a colleague, or a fellow church member. That pain is really hard. Notice how he describes the attack in verses two and three. He says, people rose up against us. Pretty graphic statement. They would have swallowed us alive. It's a a metaphor here connected to a, a massive and a vicious animal. Nebuchadnezzar is described this way in Isaiah 51, 34, like a monster swallowing up God's people. What's more, the psalmist describes the threat here of being overwhelmed. In verses four and five, he describes it like the flood that would have swept us away, the torrent that would have gone over us, raging waters. What, what, is this, what do these metaphors get to? They get to the way in which water, that often in the Bible, is connected to chaos, can just completely destroy something and overwhelm a person. I was with a friend this week whose home was destroyed by a recent hurricane and he was commenting how it's remarkable how much damage water can do. Other scriptures use the same kind of language. Listen to Isaiah 43 too. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. Here's Psalm 69, verse one. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters. The flood sweeps over me. This isn't the only place where this kind of language is is reflective of this overwhelming sense with water. Not just the Bible. You talk this way. You say, I'm drowning right now. I'm drowning at work, I'm drowning in problems, I'm drowning in debt. What we find here is that in the same way that the psalmist previously thinks about deliverance, the same way in which he says, the Lord was on my side, the Lord was on my side, this is a really good opportunity to rehearse not only God's presence, but also to rehearse how hard life has been. There's nothing wrong with Christian, with you acknowledging, look, this has been really painful. Naming that, identifying it, saying I was completely overwhelmed. We wondered if God was gonna be with us or not. This is one of the reasons that the Psalms are so incredibly helpful. They're gutsy, they're real, they're honest about the struggles of life. This Psalm is real and Psalm 124 
doesn't celebrate the pain, but it acknowledges. This is hard. There's something about understanding deliverance when you really think about what you were rescued from. It's true in the Psalms, it's also true in regards to salvation. Think of where, if you're a Christian today, think where you would be without an understanding of God's grace in your life. I mean, even after you put your faith and trust in Christ, you're not a perfect person, you're still wicked. You know that, right? Imagine where that would go without the application of God's grace. Imagine if there was no category for forgiveness in your life. No, no way to extend grace to other people. No way for people to extend grace to you. You see, spiritual maturity involves growing more and more in our amazement, not only at what God has done for us in Christ, but also where we would be without him. Just a reminder, God didn't get a good deal when he got you. And the more you understand about him, the more you know that's really true. God didn't get a catch when he got me. If it wasn't for him, I'd be in a bad place. The Lord rescues people from things that overwhelm them and seem impossible. The first thing that he rescues us from is the reality of our sin. If you're here today, you're not yet a Christian. Putting your faith and trust in Christ deals with the most overwhelming threat in your life that you face, which is being on the wrong side of God's holiness. When we put our trust and faith in Jesus, when God applies his death to our life, he rescues us from something that we couldn't rescue ourselves from. This psalm helps us to embrace the Lord's help by rehearsing our hope and also acknowledging our pain by thinking, that was really hard. So can I just encourage you, when you go through the holiday season, this Advent season, we think about the progression up to Christmas, think back about how God has helped you, but also think about how desperately you needed that help. Here's the third thing, one more insight. The text concludes by praising the name. Verse six, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Wow. The conclusion of this psalm reaffirms the opportunity that is presented to bless and praise the name of the Lord. This is the whole goal of the psalm. Imagine God's people walking up to the city of Jerusalem and as they are going, they're singing songs like these and they're rehearsing all the ways that the Lord has helped them. Three times a year, they're making their way. They're singing this song, being reminded, if it wasn't for the Lord, we wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for the Lord, we wouldn't be here. The Lord has always been on our side. And so verse six highlights this praise, blessed be the Lord. It's a common phrase in the Bible to express praise and adoration to God. But there's something interesting here. God is praised for what he didn't do. Look it, he has not given us as prey to their teeth. So that's a different kind of praise. It's not just that God is praised for his 
graciousness and his kindness. It's even more poignant than that. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Verse seven, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. The psalmist here is blessing God for not allowing him to have been the prey of his enemies. He worships the Lord in light of what could have happened. So here's something for you. Some of us, instead of being frustrated with what hasn't happened in our life, we need to praise God for what hasn't happened in our life. We need to flip the script of that. Let me say that again. Instead of being frustrated with what hasn't happened in our life, we need to praise God for what hasn't happened in our life. Verse seven uses the illustration of a bird that's been taken captive. They describe themselves here as being delivered from an impossible situation. There's so many situations that Israel could point to where their deliverance was stunning and God rescued them. In the New Testament, we find the great deliverance from the impossible situation of our sin. Here's how Paul describes it. Listen to these words in Ephesians 2. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now Paul could have just said, remember you were lost. He, he strung all of that together because he wants to drive the pylon deep as it relates to what the problem was. Remember, and then he says this, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Notice the call here, church, to remember, to remember, to remember. Paul is rehearsing something that they knew but was worthy of repetition. So let me encourage you during this holiday season to rehearse the things that need to be rehearsed in your life. Use the traditions and your family gatherings and your Advent readings and the, the, the times that you celebrate, sort of the, the rhythm of life that happens in December and use it as a moment to think back and remember, if it hadn't have been for the Lord's help, we wouldn't be here. And the previous things that we've walked through, those have been hard. Those have been painful. And yet the Lord has shown himself to be faithful and trustworthy. Look at verse eight. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. He's saying the same thing as he says in verse eight that he says in verse one, but he's saying here in a, in a positive way, a statement of renewed confidence that the Lord can be trusted. He's the creator of the universe. He can handle your problems. He can handle your fears, your disappointments, your discouragements. He's been faithful in the past and he'll be faithful again. That's what the psalm is reminding us about. If it hadn't have been for the Lord's help, if it hadn't have been for the Lord's help, we wouldn't be here. So help from the Lord's name is not a new concept. The people of God know about the name of God they knew their God was their creator. They knew that they needed deliverance. 
They knew miracles had happened. They knew that God had delivered them many, many times. But here's what happens. As they're making their way up to the temple, it's spiritually helpful to rehearse what they know to be true. They don't need new truth. They just need to be reminded of things that they already know are true that over the course of time they tend to forget. So what does hardship do? Hardship merely reveals the extent of our need. Our problem is that we tend to forget how much we need God's help until the trouble comes. We fail to realize how vulnerable we really are until we see and feel our vulnerability up close. And this psalm is meant to bring that right up to us and say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. I had a vivid illustration of this on Wednesday of this week. I was traveling, flying in an airplane. 20 minutes before we land, the pilot, I've never had this happen, came on and said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to make you aware that uh, there's a slight problem with the aircraft and we anticipate that it may affect our landing. And then he said, I, I don't want you to be alarmed, <laughs> but as we land, you, you will notice uh, a number of emergency vehicles on the runway. And I was like, what? <laughs> and that would explain why 15 minutes earlier, the stewardess, seeming very nervous, was walking down the middle aisle and she kept bending down and looking out the window. And I was seated by the wings and I'm looking at, like, what is she? And, and the, the sun was setting and I, at first I thought, well, she just is interested in the sunset. And I'm like, sunset, sunset. She's seen thousands of sunsets and she keeps looking at the wings. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And then about 10 minutes later, the chief steward gets on and he says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you that you take all your bags and be sure they're pushed uh, as far as they can go underneath the seat in front of you and be sure that nothing is in the pocket so that uh, we can exit the plane um, quickly and without um, any hindrance. And I was like, yeah, in case we crash. <laughs> so that's a strange feeling. I got 10 minutes and I'm legitimately thinking, this could be it. Like, this could be it. So I'm thinking through the will, um, and I'm thinking, do I text my wife? Do I not? Like, I don't want to send her a random text. Hey, love you. Hope I live. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I'm praying. I'm reciting scripture. And uh, just in case the Arminians were right, I'm asking Jesus in my heart again, you know? So I want to be sure. I want to be sure. I'm not even joking. I'm not even <laughs> like, let's go make sure I get this right. I know I'm right, but just in case, all right, when we are sure. And so the plane starts to go down and hear the runway gear click. And you know, you're listening, did it, did it click? Did it stop? You know, and take my seatbelt and tighten that bad boy up and <laughs> took my phone and put it in my pocket. Not sure why I did that, but I didn't want to lose my phone when I die, you know, and so. As the plane goes down, I put my hand on the, the headrest in front of me, and I'm breathing as I'm seeing the, the, the emergency vehicles out there, and the plane touches down, and there was no problem. 
All these emergency vehicles come up, and I texted my wife, landed safely. <laughs> that night, I didn't tell her anything else. That night, I called her, and I told her the story, and she's like, well, that's why you said landed safely. This was the thing she said. You never text me landed safely. <laughs> and that's the point. That's the point. You think interesting things when you begin to consider, I've got maybe two minutes and my life might be over, and yet the reality is that's probably more true than we realize every single day. If the Lord had not helped us, if the Lord had not helped us, the Lord has helped me, that's true, how about you? The Lord has helped me. That is true. How about you? You see, when it comes to our spiritual lives, there are some truths that we need to rehearse over and over and over again because our confidence and faith increase as we collectively celebrate what we know to be true, but we need to be reminded that it is true. We praise the name so we can keep praising the name. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Our help, your help, my help, is in the name of the Lord. He's helped us. That's true. He's helped us. How about you? Lord Jesus, we thank you that there are incredible moments in our lives that surface our desperate need of help from you. And yet, it's always true that we need your help. And so we wanna just pause and thank you that in the last year, you have helped us. If you hadn't been by our side, we wouldn't be here, there's no way. And so we're so thankful because you have been there, even in ways that we so often take for granted. So Lord, strengthen, I pray, believers today whose hearts are weary, who needed to be reminded that the Lord will help them. It's true. Lord, I pray for those who in the next number of months are gonna need to be reminded that the Lord is on their side, that you just put this as a little spot in their mind and heart that can be recalled in the next number of months. And God, I pray for those today who don't yet know you, Jesus, whose, whose lives are in eternal danger today. Pray that they put their trust in Christ and thank you for the hardship that makes it very clear that they need help. Lord, let them come to Jesus today. Blessed be the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.